This podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Clyde Snow and Sessions, based in Salt Lake City with offices in Oregon and California. For over 65 years, Clyde Snow has represented clients throughout the West. Clyde Snow, serious about solutions. Hello, and welcome to Ripple Effect, a podcast putting water into context. I'm Emily Lewis, your host, and I'm a water attorney here in Salt Lake City, Utah, practicing creative solutions to today's and tomorrow's water problems. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, and welcome to Ripple Effect. I am very excited for today's episode because this is a topic that I honestly don't know that much about. And I really wanted to learn a little more about, and it gives me an opportunity to talk to one of my favorite water people in the Utah water community. So today I have with me Charles Holmgren. Charles wears many, many hats uh, here, here in Utah. He is a Board of Water Resources member. He is a Bear River Canal Company member. But today we're kind of talking to him in his capacity as an independent farmer and his experience with cloud seeding. And um, like I said, it's, it's not something I know a lot about. So I'm kind of curious to kind of dive in and l- listen to Charles' experiences and just kind of learn a little bit more about this technology and tool and see how it fits into the bigger picture. So Charles, for our listeners, would you kind of just give a little background kind of about like who you are and, um, you know, you do a lot of different things, but kind of, you know, what brought you to having, you know, your contact with and experience kind of with cloud seeding? Well, I, uh, the state was uh, bringing a program to the Bear River Basin. I believe it was in around 1988. And uh, they were looking for people to participate and operate ground-based cloud seeding generators. And I just uh, happened to get recommended for, for no particular reason. I farm with my brother and we're on our uh, third generation farm. It is almost entirely irrigated property. So water is extremely important to our survivability as uh, being in the agricultural business. So that's how I got uh, nominated or, or had a request to participate. And I've been doing it every year since then. And so can you explain to the listeners kind of what the basics of cloud seeding are? You know, it, you know, if, if this is a, a technology that's new to somebody, kind of how would you explain kind of what, what is it and how does it work? Well, from a layman's term, I'm certainly not uh, a meteorologist and I depend completely on North American weather, the uh, contractor who operates the system. But generally speaking, when potential seedable storm comes into the state, they contact me and have me light a propane burner, which has some solution in it that the solution goes up into the burner that contains silver iodide and the silver iodide molecules that have gone through the burner are whipped up in the wind as the storm approaches and goes up into the upper atmosphere or at least up into the storm clouds and creates a situation where the molecules of water combine more readily 
making uh, more and larger snowflakes. The uh, combination of silveridide and the water molecules go toward the mountain. I'm about uh, 10 miles west of the Wellsville Range, and those clouds rise and go over the Wellsville Range and produce more snow on that mountain. And my understanding is is that the uh, benefit from the cloud seeding will go downwind about 75 miles. So it gets up into the Bear River Range on the east side of Cache Valley and might even make it as far as toward the upper Bear River Valley up toward Woodruff and Randolph and that area and toward the Uintas, which benefits me greatly as my main source of water is either natural flow from Cache Valley or storage water in Bear Lake. So I didn't realize that that had such a large footprint, but I mean, that makes sense because it's up in the higher atmosphere. Interesting. So you've been participating in this project since like the early 1980s. I mean, what do you think? I mean, is this something that you think has been an effective tool for um, increasing our snowfall? Or, I mean, this has been, I mean, how many years is that? Almost 40 years Well, going it, on? it's been, yeah, it's a situation where I'm very suspicious of, of how things work. But Norman Stauffer, who worked for the Division of Water Resources, did an in-depth analysis of cloud seeding. And so... I based most of my understanding in science on Norm Stauffer's investigation of cloud seeding. The other thing is, is that North American weather is required to do an analysis every year of the cloud seeding practice or, or uh, program. And they compile reports for all the different basins or all the different target areas of, from cloud seeding throughout the state of Utah. And the other thing that was very reassuring to me was in uh, November of 2015 at a Bear River Commission meeting, the state of Wyoming had done an extensive amount of research along with, I believe, the uh, National Science Institute or or some federal Mm -hmm. agency had done a considerable amount of research in two areas in Wyoming spent over a million dollars studying cloud seeding and it proved to be extremely effective in the state of Wyoming. And that came out in the report they presented in November, 2015 commission meeting, Bear River commission meeting. So those are the things that I uh, hang my hat on for supporting the program and, and finding value in it for people who use water like I am and everybody else. Yeah. And I believe, is is this one of the programs that's also supported by our WIRA tax in the state of Utah? And we have that conservation, that 116th sales tax for water projects. I think this is the one that's kind of tucked up under that that tax basis. So this is also like a taxpayer funded project. If, I, if I'm correct, yes. do you know? Yes. That? yes. Yeah. And, and I don't know exactly what the funding source is through the Division of Water Resources, but the state of Utah participates at a level of near 50%, if not right on 50% with all the programs within the state of Utah. And then in our area, the Cash Water District and the Bear River Water Conservancy District pay 
50% of uh, the cost of the cloud seeding in, in the Bear River Basin. Mm -hmm. And so uh, local property taxes that are collected within Box Elder and Cache County help fund the local sponsors uh, portion of the cloud seeding effort. And do you know how many local folks have a, a burner on their property? I, without looking at North American's report, I don't know for sure. I would think there are somewhere around 20 to 25 generators between uh, Box Elder County and Cache County. Actually, that kind of surprises me. <laughs> so are you all like on a coordinated schedule where North America will like be like, okay, 25 to 30 landowners, like the storm is rolling in, like go light up your burner. And then like at, you know, in unison, all 20 to 25, 30 folks in the designated area will light it up. It really is pretty specific as to how the storm approaches the uh, watershed. We have, I believe, three or four generators out in western Box Elder County in the Grouse Creek and Park Valley areas. That's mm. 100 miles west of where I am almost. So the weather conditions are, are very different out there. And then they're targeting different mountain ranges. The Raft River Mountain near Park Valley is an east-west mountain range, contrary to all the north-south predominant mountain ranges in, in Utah, except for the Uintas. And there are concerns with the folks out in, in the Grouse Creek area. They feel like they would be served better if there were generators in the state of Nevada that were upstorm from them. They feel like they're helping the folks downstream from them or downwind of their areas. So, Oh, interesting, because it's like an interstate question, too, especially if it's funded through like Utah state taxpayer dollars. Yes, hmm. yes. And, and so... They always uh, were hoping that uh, they could get generators placed in Nevada somewhere, but that hasn't mm -hmm. happened. So the 2015 report for Wyoming, you know, produced a lot of really good um, results for Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And that's now six years in the past. And Wyoming, which is the best state, by the way, is a different environment than Utah, <laughs> um, yes. many parts of it. And so you know, in the 40 some odd years that you've had just your, your, you know, firsthand experience with this, have you seen the changes in, you know, climate and the changes in our weather patterns affect the effectiveness or the frequency that, that these projects are used for? Well, yes, you know, it, it's just kind of amazing just as a casual observer to see what weather conditions are. It, it seems as though cloud seeding is obviously more effective in a wet winter than it is in a dry winter because in drought periods, you just don't have any clouds to target for cloud seeding. And it's just uh, much easier in a wet year. So it uh, doesn't have huge lasting effects unless you have a good uh, water storage program because we depend an awful lot on snowpack for our irrigation reserve. And if you don't have snowpack, you depend too heavily on the reservoir storage as yeah. we are this year. Yeah, yes, as we are this year. <laughs> um, I, I kind of want to talk with you too, because you are someone who sits in a bunch of different hats, kind of like I mentioned earlier in the introduction. And so, you know, your experience with this particular technology is, you know, from the producer side and kind of on the ground. 
But as we look towards, you know, I, and I hate to say it so bluntly, but like a, a hotter, drier future, you know, in terms of like our investments in state resources for source production, like how we produce water, like one, do you think this will continue to be a place where we want to place money and put money? But two, you know, how do we kind of promote the implementation of, of kind of these creative ideas? And, um, you know, but I, I feel like one of the things we miss here in Utah is kind of like a little bit of like an innovations fund. I know that we've got the Florida Water Resources, but kind of the, a place for people to do trial balloons for new things, you know, and Cloud City is obviously not new, but in the 1980s, it was new. And so, you know, it, it, there needs to be a space where we can kind of like fund and use um, these newer technologies and experiment with them. And so I, I'm kind of curious with like, you know, using both your hat where you've, you know, been the recipient of a project, but also your hat as a Florida Water Resources member who looks at a lot of projects, you know, what do you think the role is for public funding for kind of these kind of projects and it, it, you know, how we can kind of promote more of a experimental eye on some of these things? Sure. I, I think some things that have, demonstrated the effectiveness of it is the Wyoming study. I am very hopeful with the results that came out of it. I understand, and I don't remember the gentleman's name at Utah State University that had worked on the Wyoming project, but they were researching it quite extensively in their uh, meteorology or their climate center at Utah State University. So quite interested in that. The other things that I see that are quite intriguing to me, and I think we need to participate in, but it costs money. The one is the lower basin states on the Colorado River pay for additional months of cloud seeding operation. The uh, I, I'm trying to think right now, I think the cloud seeding opportunity of running the program goes from, I believe, December 1st to April 1st, and the lower Colorado Basin states are funding portions of the state to add the month of April. I don't know if they add anything into November to capture some additional snowpack there. The other interesting thing that it's coming out, and I had some conversation with folks in Idaho is they're anxiously uh, looking toward using aircraft applied cloud seeding programs. They are very, very expensive, but they, according to the state of Idaho, their data, it's extremely effective too. So I'm very interested and pass on information to the Division of Water Resources when I come across individuals or potential programs that state of Idaho is uh, sponsoring that uh, maybe Utah should be participating in it, in it as well. But again, it becomes a major funding issue for the Division of Water Resources. Yeah, I, I think that first point you made about expanding the envelope, to me, that makes total sense considering you know all the climate projections and all the models really show that um, here along the Wasatch Front, and, and you're a little north of the Wasatch Front, but, you know, in, in the general area, you know, our winters really are shifting, and, and they're shifting to having those really heavy March days. Um, and as a skier, I, you know, I've colloquially noticed that as well. And even, you know, moving into 
I think we had one of our biggest storms in April this year. You know, the one big storm, we had like a couple big storms in March. And then I think we had one or two really big ones in April. And so, you know, that might be, that makes sense to me to kind of shift the envelope to be a little more responsive to, to our climactic conditions. Yes. Um, and there is some flexibility in operating the state of Utah program. They, they did this year. They don't do it very often, but this year we actually extended into April. I don't know if I seeded one storm or two storms in April, but they just uh, weren't weren't here to enhance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and on the second point, I want to be the. <laughs> that sounds like quite the uh, uh, the flight to be the the aircraft that is ahead of the storm, dropping the silver iodide. <laughs> yeah, or in the storm, or, or in the storm, yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining something from like uh, Dr. Strangelove or something. <laughs> yeah. on and go fly an airplane. Yeah, that's awesome. So do you see other kind of innovative, uh, you know, weather modification tools kind of coming down the pipeline? You know, is that something that from a Board of Water Resources side you guys see? Or, or is that, you know, where, where does that discussion usually kind of start? To my knowledge, those are, the cloud seeding is the primary, if not the only, identified program, and I'm, I'm not hearing about any uh, mm-hmm. more innovative type of programs or alternatives. I just am not aware of any alternatives to cloud seeding out there. So we really just need some planes. Yeah. <laughs> some clouds. Or both. Plans and clouds or both. I think both would be the best. <laughs> well, we do have Hill Air Force Base. Maybe we should uh, enlist our friends. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh. some silver iodide yeah. in that jet fuel. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Great. This is definitely something that, you know, I think that it'd be interesting for us to, to continue to monitor. I'm kind of, you know, as we're talking and looking at the University of Wyoming, you know, update here on the internet, it looks like they're doing a a 2020 follow-up on that 2015 report. And they are kind of, they did mention kind of like planes is kind of one of the things that they were looking at. Um, but um, I think that this would be something that I just don't think a lot of folks know about it. And I, I wonder if, you know, like a broader discussion and kind of a broader acknowledgement of this as a, as a possibility would be helpful for the state. Maybe that could help us with some of our our funding and, and try and figure out a different funding source if it really is effective as they say it is you know, to purchase planes or expand the envelope for payment of, you know, the Western Water Manager's services. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, again, there are skeptics out there. I think the science demonstrates that it's effective. The other issue becomes how free the legislature is with money for for these kinds of things. And water resources is concerned about uh, providing a lot of services to the people in the state of Utah, and they are very concerned about having to chop off something for one group that are benefiting from funding sources to uh, fund another project. So it's a pretty sensitive subject within the uh, Division of Water Resources. They're very supportive of it, but they... uh, know there are limits to funding and and they're frequently asking other than uh, what uh, happens in water conservancy districts and uh, water users conferences uh, the division has a website that uh, demonstrates the use of 
cloud seeding and it's a pretty basic video presentation on their website, but it tries to get the point across that it is valuable to uh, everybody who uses water in the state of Utah, who is everyone. Yeah, who is everyone. Yeah, I think one of the more interesting conversations I think I've had over the last year in doing this podcast is um, I interviewed a gentleman from Colorado who was involved in, they authorized the use of sports betting and then the tax revenue from sports betting. Essentially, they ended up like taxing the bookie, like the middleman. All of the revenue for that particular, from those activities went to fund a water fund. And the interesting thing that I took away from that discussion was that the basically, you know, instead of trying to fight over who gets what pieces of the pie, they just brought their own pie to the table. (laughs) And And it was, and it was really a good way for them to not have the, you know, healthy, but in, but real, you know, political wrangling about money. And I don't think it's produced a, a ton of money. I mean, I think it's produced a couple million dollars, but we're not, you know, not enough money to meet the billion dollars of deferred maintenance we have. But it was enough for something like for projects like this, you know what I mean? Enough buffer to kind of let these small projects grow to a scale where we can kind of see if they're really effective and, and kind of give us a little bit of bandwidth to really experiment to, to identify those bang for our buck projects instead of always, you know, living at the margins. And that's something I think the state of Utah should really look at is kind of like what other tax bases we could have that, you know, we could use to support water projects outside, you know, the traditional, um, you know, sales tax or federal funding or. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This the one 6% uh, sales tax is extremely valuable to the division to providing funding for a lot of programs. But like you say, uh, Utah is the only state that doesn't participate in, uh, I, I guess, organized gambling or, or legitimate gambling, whether it's lotteries or horse racing or those kinds of things. But, uh, you know, the other states have these funds available where like in Idaho and and. I believe you probably saw that letter from TJ Budge about how the state of Idaho is going to attempt to cloud seed part of the Bear River Basin this winter and or has funding to do that. And we'll see how well that works. It would be nice if Utah could uh, collaborate with the state of Idaho on that. Yeah, I think the time for partnerships and the time for creative thinking is definitely now. You know, that it's not <laughs> it's not going to get better. <laughs> it will it will but (laughs) it's all you know always the story and it's true on the other larger rivers but uh, the bear river doesn't cross the state lines five or six times seven times it's the state lines cross the bear river six or seven times you know these political boundaries don't necessarily fit the basin where the water is so yeah with three states on, on those kind of things. And we have yet to have a, a real podcast on the bear because um, I think we have a little one, you know, one of our first episodes was with the Bear River Canal Company kind of talking more about the specifics of, um, you know, kind of corporate organization and kind of what is an irrigation company. But the Bear River is honestly a fascinating place. It is a fascinating river. And for those listeners who are not in the state of Utah, the Bear River is basically like a big horseshoe you know, that kind of starts in the upper Uintas um, in the state of Utah, kind of snakes along the Wyoming border or crosses the Wyoming border, snakes along the Wyoming border, 
cuts into Idaho, kind of makes like the big U in Idaho. And then we have a Bear Lake that kind of straddles like in the middle of the U that straddles the Utah-Idaho line, which was um, at one point in time connected to the Bear River hydrographically, but now connected through man-made diversions. And this river snakes back into Utah and then connects to the Great Salt Lake. And so it is just this interesting, interesting, interesting <laughs> combination of interstate compact questions of, you know, interstate collaborations of Every day, I feel like the bear is just a, so much to learn about that system. It's a fascinating system. Yes, it is. But a good one for maybe kind of like poking some of those questions about interstate collaboration. I mean, it, in a lot of ways, I feel like it presents, I mean, cloud seeding is just kind of one example of, in a lot of ways, it's kind of a nice microcosm for, you know, discussions on the Colorado, you know, like how we deal with other interstate compacts and multi-state compacts. And I don't know, it's, I, I think it's kind of a hidden gem of, of discourse. Yes, yes, indeed. I agree with your assessment. Yeah, great. Well, Charles, I think this is great. I mean, I just, you know, I kind of just want to check in and, and, you know, this is not a topic I knew a lot about. And I knew that, you know, you'd had some firsthand experience with it. And so, um, you know, I just kind of wanted to see what your thoughts were. And you have anything else we didn't get a chance to talk about or touch on about cloud seeding um, that you think the listeners might want to know? No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think uh, North American Weather is an excellent contractor uh, operating the uh, the network, and uh, I think uh, there are probably innovations even with ground-based uh, generators that maybe could in, improve even their performance that they're doing today. So hmm. hopefully they're they're looking toward uh, improving their system as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's hope for a uh, wet winter for many reasons. But in any case, you know, hopefully maybe we can kind of see if next year we could experiment with some of those uh, innovations, like some planes or something, and kind of just maybe do a test balloon if possible and try and find some funding for doing so. So, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a great hope. Nothing said in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. This podcast was produced by Mackenzie Nichols. Find Ripple Effect on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.